Setting targets are still the solution to achieve as much diversity in teams as possible. What do you think about that, Leonard? I agree. Setting targets is really key. And it starts with ambition. However, not all dimensions of diversity can be measured. So the metrics, for example, the GPS scores or just the percentage of female partners, directors in our firm doesn't tell the full story. So that's why I believe having a culture that's diverse and includes a lot of people is something that comes with baby steps and requires a lot of dialogue and a lot of testing the water if we're moving in the right direction. I couldn't agree more with you, Leonard. In the context of International Women's Day, we at KPMG are paying extra attention to the role of women in an inclusive organisation. In this podcast series, leaders from KPMG will be talking to each other about the power of inclusive teams and the perspective they have on it. Welcome to this first episode, and thanks for listening. My name is Barbara Legg. I am the Global Regulatory Driven Transformation Talent Enablement Leader and have the pleasure of being here today with Lennis Cartel who is a partner in our financial risk management team. We are very, very honoured to be kicking off this podcast series. Today, Lennart and I are going to focus on the importance of inclusion and the use of setting targets for inclusive teams. Yes, thanks, Barbara. I would like to start with a very basic but important question. So one of the main topics of this whole series of the podcast is about inclusion. Now, what does inclusion mean to you? What do you believe is inclusion? It may be a small question, Leonard, but it's a big answer. Inclusion is is a lot of different things. It's about being seen, but also being heard, being cared about, and and also being able to make an impact. Diversity without inclusion really isn't enough. And I heard somebody um, explain it in a slightly different way recently, which really resonated with me. Diversity is like being invited to a party. It's great, different kinds of people at the party, really interesting. Inclusion is like being invited to dance. So you're on the dance floor, you're in the middle of everything that's happening, but then what really counts is a sense of belonging. You need to feel safe, you need to feel able to dance in the way that you want to, even if it is slightly slightly weird, slightly different than what everybody else is doing. And then last but not least is also equity. So really equity meaning the power to make decisions. So how are decisions made? So who, who books the DJ? Who decides what, what the theme for the party is? When that's all in balance, when that all works, that's when you're really working on your inclusive culture and also a healthy culture. I love the metaphor. I think it's spot on. It resonates well, and it's, uh, I think that's a clear distinction, right? So you talk about balance, and you talk about making sure that people are feel invited to join the dance floor. So what does it take in order for the minority to feel that way, for any minority? I think it starts with attention. It starts by paying attention to the different people at the party or in your team. So it's not just focusing on the people that are on the dance floor and having fun. But who's in the corner? Who's on their own? Who who doesn't feel quite as comfortable? And as any party host, Leonard, you know this, you should be focusing on everybody who's at the party. So paying attention and also realising that one size doesn't fit all. And I think is, is taking the time to, to have that dialogue and, and understand that just because somebody's a woman doesn't mean they don't like beer, for example. It's it's having, having that discussion... Um, to really understand who's in your team, who's at your party. And and uh, it is attention, listening, so not only talking, but listening, and then trying to level the playing field. Yeah, and if I understand it correctly, it's not only the host that has a responsibility, 
but it's everybody's responsibility that everybody feels included. Yeah. So everybody can contri- can contribute yeah. to achieving that goal. But I also hear you say it's it's tailor work, right? So it needs to be tailored to every individual. Every individual. I mean, again, you can't. And Leonard, you're married. You have you have uh, you have a lovely wife. You know that not all women are the same. <laughs> so just because you are, have a certain cultural background or agenda doesn't mean we all behave in the same way. So so again, communication, communication, communication. You're probably one of the most inclusive colleagues I know. And you've been a partner at KPMG for a number of years. You have a wife who also works in our advisory department and you also have young children. And you've chosen to work a 32-hour week. I know some of my female colleagues who have done this, but I don't know many male colleagues who've actually done this and been able to really continue their career at KPMG. How has this been for you? I was two years ago, I felt I was at a point that I just needed to spend more time with my children because they were, they still are, but they were very young at the time. And I also felt with uh, three young children at home and a busy job at KPMG, I needed a little bit more of me time to also contemplate the week and make sure I uh, put my energy in the right topics. But I didn't have any role models around me. When you look at KPMG, you're right. So there are a couple of directors also that work four four days a week. But I just didn't know of any male partners in the firm. So um, that meant that I also prepared my case really thoroughly and had a, a strong story ready when I sat down with Rule and said, look, this is what I'd like to do. This is something I just need in this phase of my life. So I started talking about my story, why I wanted to start working four days a week. And Rule just cut me short after 10 seconds. And he said, look, Leonard, this is something you have to do. Just do it. Uh, and I'm sure you'll make it work both for KPMG and for yourself. So that sense of empowerment for me was very important. Yeah. And the funny thing is I started talking about it with my peers right after I started working four days a week. And there were so many peers, so young fathers, partner directors, who also said the same thing, like, wow, is it possible within KPMG? So, and that's when I also realized, like, hey, this is also an opportunity to make sure that we make this happen, not just for me, but also for other male partners. Because if it's not for my peers, then it's definitely for the generation behind us Mm -hmm. in order to retain our talents and to make sure that we attract good talents from the markets. And uh, actually, there's also maybe a last element to it. I think there's also part that we play in society, because if we allow our male partners to also take their share uh, in the family, I think that also allows opportunities for their spouses with uh, different organizations in the Netherlands. You've put a lot of energy into improving diversity and inclusion within your team. And you've set diversity targets even for all grades. So within KPMG, we're used to seeing that at partner director level, but not for other grades. So why, why did you do that? Well, uh, we did it as a, as a full partner director team. Uh, if you look at our group, we are definitely seriously behind our uh, fiscal year 25 target of 30% female partner directors that the board has set. So we felt that not only should we make sure that we have female colleagues making this step to director, we should also make sure to solve this in a sustainable fashion, right? So we need to make sure that all the ladies that start to prepare for that level are ready. And we just noticed there's a big drop off at the manager level. So that's why we felt like, look, uh, we need to take care of that as well. So that's why we decided to set targets to have at least 40% female managers and upwards. Look, that's that's going to be challenging because that's going to hurt our horizontal hire process 
now we also have to walk the walk, right, after yeah. setting these targets. So that's going to be challenging, and I'm very curious to see how we're going to do as a team. Setting targets yeah. is a challenge as well because you you want the right people to get the right opportunities. Right. So it's 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 not just because you're a woman no. or you have a different cultural background that you should be lined up for an opportunity. So it is it is a yes. challenge. It is a challenge, and you want to make sure we fair we present fair opportunities to both the the male colleagues and the female colleagues, right? So we don't want to fully start excluding the our male no. senior managers at this point. So I think that was also part of the tough discussions because we want to make sure that our current senior managers, the male senior manager, also have enough perspective. And I think, and that's a good point that you bring up, right? Because diversity isn't just gender. No. And I think no. that's one of the easier targets, one of the easier dimensions that we can observe. But it's easier to measure. It's, it's easier yeah. to measure. Although now yes. you can obviously also choose to not have a certain right. gender, but it is it, it's something that you can measure. Yes, yes, and and we but we do feel that by being a more diverse and including work environment on the gender level, we believe that also on the other dimensions will be more inclusive. Uh, and that's something we uh, we hope to see as a snowballing effect uh, yeah. the years to come. So, Leonard, besides the diversity targets that you've set within your team, what, what else are you doing uh, around diversity and inclusion? We have formed a diversity and inclusion team within financial risk management, and it's a group of five, six people. And in addition to the whole target setting target discussion, what we also decided to do is we needed to have more dialogue within the team. So what we did, for example, is we uh, we took last summer's global initiative on courageous conversations and applied it locally within financial risk management in a somewhat different context, but at least to uh, to open the discussion amongst people how they have possibly experienced feeling a minority in a certain situation, work-related. Yeah. And what I did realize from those sessions is that some of these stories you're not even aware of. Yep. So by being made aware of certain stories uh, on the work floor, we felt like it's going to help other people to be more aware and conscious of when they decide with a good intention to make a funny joke, uh, how it could also hurt other people. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the, the, the whole Courageous Conversations initiative was a real eye-opener. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure your, your mini version within FRM was as well. Absolutely. Barbara, maybe slightly on a different topic, but you lead the International Women of Risk Network within KPMG. So you connect with a lot of women on a regular basis about opportunities, but also on the challenges. So what do you see when you speak with our colleagues? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> we have this International Women of Risk Network. It, it was established about three years ago. Over 40 countries represented with, with nearly 1,600 members. And each country has an ambassador. And we have regular ambassador calls where we also learn from each other. And I think one thing that, that we should never underestimate is the importance of relationships. So whether they are mentoring relationships, sponsoring relationships, or just peer relationships, sometimes you just need to feel that you are ready for something and you need somebody to tell you. I think we see, even with some of, some of the senior women in our firm, there's still that, that, that feeling of being a little girl or not feeling that we're, the time is right, that we're ready for this next opportunity. And, and having peers to learn from and to talk to really makes a difference. I think it's enabled us all to be a little bit more courageous and, and definitely also more curious in, in what we should be doing. Um, and, and knowing that even though a lot of the ambassadors have never met before. We are never going to meet because they are literally from Japan to Canada, Australia, uh, to Argentina. Knowing that that there is support there really helps. It's like what you said with Hall, knowing that your leader 
leadership is, is supportive of what you want to do. That makes a big difference. And I think also in raising awareness about different kinds of biases, a lot of people say, but we're not biased. We give everybody the same opportunities. Well, that's, that's not always the case. And we've organised a number of panel discussions and fireside chats during the pandemic, because obviously we, c- we couldn't meet, including male speakers and including our male colleagues as well, because we need our male colleagues to help us in this journey. So what is it actually that you need most from your male colleagues? I think to speak up if they see bias happening or, or things that, that aren't, aren't quite right, whether it's around hiring or it could even be in a meeting. I had a, a recent example where I was quite amazed, but I, um, it, was an, uh, it was an international call with colleagues that I feel very safe with and we were discussing something. I raised a comment. It was totally not acknowledged literally five minutes later, less than five minutes later, a male slightly more senior colleague than I said exactly the same, almost using the same words. And everybody was all over it. In that case, it would have been great if he said, well, actually, Barbara just mentioned X, Y, Z. And I was somewhat surprised that that actually happened with that group, but it does it does still happen. So we need our male colleagues to advocate the women in their team Sometimes if there's a success story and a woman is is the leader, the team will get the praise. It's like, oh, well, it was a great job because the team did so well. And if a man is leading the job or the engagement, it's because he's such a good leader. There are big, big differences still, Leonard. So we need your help (laughs) and support. (laughs) Do you know what this year's theme is for International Women's Day? Yes, I I was well prepared. So I know it's choose. You are always (laughs) well prepared. (laughs) I know know it has to do with choose a challenge, right? So what does it mean, Barbara, to choose a challenge? It's action. It's it's not just uh, feeling empathy for people or, or... having an emotion about something is actually doing something. From challenge comes change, and change is uncomfortable. But things have to feel a little bit uncomfortable to, to get to the next level. And I think it is, it is time now to not just listen to people, but to actually act. And, and Leonard, I think our male colleagues have a huge role to play here. I mean, how do you see it? Yeah, so when you say choose a challenge, it's a message not just for people just to be courageous and uh, aim for the stars, but you also refer to everybody else who already is kind of part of the majority, doesn't feel like this may be necessarily something that's on their plate. So you're saying everybody can contribute to make this a more balanced totally. work environment. And, and also don't just think about yourself, to think about your team, think about choose to challenge the status quo for people who are coming up the ranks behind you. I mean, we all think we're stars, but we need our teams. We need to focus on on the collective. So speaking out, if you see injustice being done or if you think things could be done differently, we need others to do that. I think when people hear your story, it will resonate with them as well. And hopefully they'll be excited to be on a similar journey as you are to to increase the diversity but possibly even more important, the inclusiveness within the team. Yes, and then to go back to your metaphor that people feel invited to actually step on the dance floor and actually yeah. d- maybe next time decide on when the date will be for the next party, yeah. which whatever yeah. team yeah. they w- prefer. And maybe they don't wait to be invited, but they're on the dance floor right. before before the DJ even starts. So, yeah, yeah. Leonard, it was great to do this podcast with you today. Obviously, choosing you and I to kick off this series as, with the first podcast was always going to be a challenge to stick to time because we can talk for hours. But we do have to stop now. So I'm going to have to wrap up. And thank everybody very much for listening. 
If you want to know more or if you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. In the next episodes, our colleagues will be discussing topics like the unconscious bias, the glass ceiling, and the added value of an inclusive team. Hope you will join us again. Thank you.